Hey everyone, Charles here. This is actually part two of our discussion about our home rules. So if you haven't seen part one, make sure you go and watch that first. Enjoy the episode. Here's something I implement. Uh, attunement. As written, you can only attune to magic items after a long rest? Short, Short rest? rest? Short rest. Um, I don't like that. I think... I mean, attunement's a weird anyway. They've never really fully explained what it is. You hone in on an item and then you can use it. Like, they've never really explained what that's meant to look like or how that even makes sense from, like, a, a world-building perspective. Um, I think there's a lot more to be gained with the way I run it, which is you can attune to something as a bonus action. You can still... You have to unattune um, with a short rest, and you can still only attune to three things, but... There's a very specific reason why I want to implement this. I was watching uh, Campaign 1 of Critical Role. Uh, I don't know if I care about spoilers, sorry. Um, in, yeah, in, in the fight against Grog's uncle, whose name I'm forgetting, Krognak, Krogman, I don't know. There's a point where they disarm him. I, I'm doubting myself now, but I, th I think these details are correct. There's a point where they disarm him and grab his magic weapon, and Gro Travis, Grog, clearly wanted to immediately use it to smack his uncle with it, and that's like, actually, you have to tune at a, at a short rest. And I just saw this, like, the wind go out from Travis's sails, because that's such a cool moment. You want to disarm the big bad guy, grab their weapon, and smack them with it, use their own weapon against them. And you can't, and I literally don't see the advantage of it needing a short rest. The, There's no, nothing gained there. The, there is something gained from that, and you're you're, and I think that you you hit on it is the exact reason for it. It's that enemies can't because that would that is a really cool moment. But when the battle master fighter comes out on the other team, disarms your weapon, and takes your really cool signature magic weapon, use it against you, that might be a cool moment. But that also would kind of friggin' suck. That'd be shitty. I feel like the solution there is just don't be a dick as a DM, <laughs> like. <laughs> I I guess that's fair, but I I think I'm fine with the 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 short rest for. Um, you know, that, that, that kind of reason. And, and because, um, one also, uh, it gives you, I, I, I like, I like the, the fantasy of, and granted, you know, that it's not mutually exclusive, I guess, of, you know, finding, getting a weapon and, uh, taking the time to learn what it does. I like to narrate you sort of experimenting with the weapon or, be, or, 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 uh, learning about it and sort of the, the mystical, um, bonding, I guess, process going on with that is you sort of, you maybe like, I, I like the visual of, you know, isolating yourself, sitting up like on like a rock in a, in a crate, in a meadow in the moonlight as you sort of examine this weapon and realize, oh, it does this. I, and, and, you know, kind of bonding with it. I think that's neat. And granted, it's not mutually exclusive, but, um, I think it's just sort of, I don't know. I, I, I think the bonus action does work. I think that that does solve some problems. Um, maybe, mm. maybe I'll even give it a go, but I, I, I kind of like the short rest aspect of it. Mm. There's, there's narrative stuff to be gained, I think. I have to agree with Nathan. If my characters can do it to my baddies, my baddies can do it to my characters. It's just more realistic. Um, and I understand, like... 
I know exactly what you're talking about when you just saw like the light in his eyes like fade from that ultra cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like I, I I see the pros and cons of it, um, because like if my BBEG, if you guys like let's say it was the bonus action and one of you guys dropped your magic item, and they could attune to it with the bonus action, they're going to do it. It's the end fight. Um. I like the short rest. Yeah. Yeah, like a way to think about it is you're not necessarily just attuning it to yourself. You're unattuning it from whoever was attuned to it before. Yes. Which, like, so you're you're actively taking something from someone in which the short rest is a way to prevent, give villains the chance to say, no, you can't take my magic item. Um, that is mine. Yeah. So it, it requires you to, you know, like, uh, what's, what's... What's the you know mythical weapon? You got you got to kill the opponent to be able to. I think I think Harry Potter had like the Elder Wand, but that's not the original. Yes. Anyway, uh, sort of that sort of thing. It's like you, if you want my magic sword, you're going to have to earn it. Yes. Battlemaster fighters can't just use their disarm skill and say this is mine now. This is mine now. <laughs> it definitely does get weird with disarm, uh, disarm mm-hmm. maneuver, and even we talked about before. I like doing called shots where potentially you could disarm someone. That gets iffy, admittedly. I don't know. I, I still see more pros to be gained from you, you're doing a Star Wars campaign and you you kick the Sith down some stairs and then force grab his lightsaber and then you get to start dueling with that. Compared I think, to I think, like, ah, you can't use that. It's like, well, but I wanna. I think I think it. What what you said earlier, we can sort of flip around and the solution is don't be a dick. I think uh, the solution to this <laughs> could be just rule of cool works. So, like, maybe raw, and by default you do need to take that short rest, but maybe, like, you can, like, implement a thing, like, if you just are able to, like, have, have this really cool moment and you see it, it just works. Give them, like, two to three rounds where it's, like, you, you through the heat of the moment, or the, the, uh, the latent charge of magic in the air, uh, or maybe it, the proximity to its original owner, uh, or any other story beats you want to throw into it, it just happens to work. Um, and then when those three rounds wear off, you're sort of back to normal. Yeah. Still use the weapon, maybe not mm-hmm. to its full effect. And if you want to use it for real, it's, it's like it's like the free trial, <laughs> <laughs> the wow. seven day free trial. Exactly, oh my goodness. It's, it's, you get a three <laughs> round free <laughs> trial on the blood axe. Stop! I hate that. And but ask I love for that. your ask for your credit card up front, which <laughs> is exactly. a little sketchy. So so like Aww. you know, as soon as those three rounds end, if you forgot to like take the credit card info away, you immediately have to take <laughs> a short rest. Like, Stop it! Give me thirty minutes, guys. I got to tune to this sword. It's in the contract. Give me, give me just a second. I, I think the thing that snags is me is that like the 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 book's definition for attunement is so weird and vague that I I don't really understand what it means. Like you, you described your interpretation of it, Nathan, but the book is so vague with it. Like it's hard for me to justify why it needs to be over a short rest. I I, I get where you guys are coming from. Uh, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep my ruling. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it's, it's a shit. good ruling. Yeah. I think I don't think it's it'll work table. at my table, but if it works at yours, mm-hmm. more power to you. Yeah. How do you guys handle encumbrance? Oh, I don't care. I don't. I don't assign <laughs> unless you grabbed like a boulder. Yeah. Um, I don't really like to mess around with weights. Um, I do require that my party keeps a proper inventory. I will not keep your inventory in my head. If I have given you this item and you didn't write it down, 
you don't have that item anymore. Oh, fair. Um, you if you don't remember it, yeah, no, pfft, it's gone. Um, unless the item is of a significant weight, I really don't care about it. I agree with that. My The exact text I have in my home rule record for my campaign's Discord says, I do not track encumbrance. Do not give me a reason to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't start trying to carry around fucking towers and we'll be fine. Well, it's I, if, if my player, if my fighter starts to know, oh, I grab like all the plate mail from all of the knights we just killed. I'm going to, oh, we're yeah. going to have a conversation. We're yeah. going to have a problem. We're going to start doing math. That's a good, I really <laughs> I like the, like math. <laughs> I like your really Nathan. Don't give me a reason to. Yeah. I feel like, and usually you could just throw a bag of holding at your party anyway. Yeah. Right. And then, and then yes. suddenly there's not, not, not an issue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've literally mm. never paid any heed to it. But it's like, it's no. it's not something, it just bogs down the game. It, like, it, like I, I already have to, if I'm buying or selling something, I already have to look at its gold value. I don't want to have to look at a weight for any time I loot something. Correct. Um, but uh, if, if you know, every every game has that guy that picks up literally every single item that an enemy drops. <laughs> and I don't want to deal with it. So yeah. uh, if, if you're the kind of player that does that, you're keeping track of encumbrance. And I'm going to check your sheet at the end of the game. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Skill checks. This is what something I'm, I'm going to crack down on a little bit more. I, I think the way I'm going to run it from now on is anyone can make a skill check initially if they choose to. If you guys see some magic runes that look weird and the barbarian with a negative four intelligence wants to know <laughs> what they are, sure, he can he can poke his old brain for it, but... You can, other people can only A, join the skill check, or B, give the help action for the initial person doing the check. They can only do that if they are proficient. I hate skill dogpiles. I, I, yes. I've, I've complained about it many an episode, but I hate when, like, oh, what's the, what are those runes? Oh, you, you roll, okay, you fail. Okay, I'd like to check. Okay, you fail. I'd like to check. Okay, you fail. Like, ugh, I hate it. So, in an effort to avoid that, the initial person can do it because, like, the barb. It might cross the barbarian's mind to wonder. Like, he probably isn't going to have a good chance if he's not proficient. But he's allowed to wonder about it. But in the interest of avoiding a hundred rolls, only people that are proficient are allowed to join or give the help action. Mm. I. I, 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 I like the idea behind that. Um, my, my concern is, of course, that your players, when they pick up on that, will just realize it's still, you know... Granted, I don't know your table. Um, I, I, I've been at tables where this would be the immediate um, thought is, well, if we want the highest chance to do it, we have to all make it at the same time. Um, so they, yeah. all, they all join in, which ends up being the same results, which can be tedious, which is, I think... What do you, what do you mean, all at the same time? Didn't you say like any anyone if 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 they when they enter the room and see the thing can make the roll, or is it or is one one person one person may and anyone who okay all right all right I got you. Okay. You can always do it if you're proficient, but only one person who doesn't have proficiency is allowed. Okay, so like if, that if, if more sense. I may have explained it poorly. So so if the barbarian walks in and says I'd like to make this roll, they can. If but if the wizard walks in and is the first person to ask for that check, is the barbarian's not allowed to, or the but be, or because the wizard has proficiency, the barbarian still can. I probably did not address that when I when I explained it. Um, I believe it was the second option you said. Anyone can do it if they're proficient, um, but you can only man. 
confusing myself at this point. Usually, what, usually what <laughs> I do is it's I just itself in confusion. If it's if it's if it's sort of a minor thing, I'll just let anybody do it. But if it is anything that's like remotely specialized, you have to have proficiency to roll. Period. Um, if yeah, if you want to join in on the rolling, you have to be proficient. But so, I'm, so, I'm not going to outright ban people from doing an Arcana check just because they aren't proficient. I I. I I guess I kind I of I, I wouldn't use the word ban. I, I I would probably tell the barbarian I would I probably wouldn't let the barbarian roll, but only because I'd just say you like you're free of, you're you're free to wonder. You're not going to get the answer because um, mm-hmm. it because on top of skill dogpiling, it helps avoid the issue of the wizard sitting there pondering the riddle for for an hour and you know not being able to get anything. The barbarian like, uh, it's <laughs> this and and that sort of feels shitty for the wizard. Um, but like maybe maybe some basic arcana stuff the I'd yeah. let the barbarian roll, but for more intricate complex stuff, I'd probably say you you'd have no idea. I mean that's not an ideal situation, and we talked about this on our win to roll episode. But I think if if you are in a situation where you're calling for rolls, there's always a chance for failure anyway. Yeah. So the wizard might not necessarily get it guaranteed anyway, and I feel like it's not the worst thing in the world for maybe the bar. I don't know. You don't want it to happen every time, but if the barbarian does say, like, oh, I know that's the symbol of Gorgthong, the great. He's like, where the fuck did you read that? <laughs> it's it's funny once in a while, maybe not all the time. Speaking of of checks that you may or may not roll, this is, this is a little bit niche. Uh, how do you... Uh, in in um, the player's handbook, jumping is defined as something you can just do, and you can just jump as far as your strength score dictates. Do any of you make people ju- roll for jumping? Because yeah. I do. And unless it's like r- there's super high stakes, no. If they're jumping from like airship to airship, actually, oh I don't yeah, know. you're you, rolling for that. I don't know. I say that I might still let it happen because you're rolling that one. Okay, you're dead. Bye bye. Leave the campaign. So that's not too fun. I, I think for the most part, I would just let them do it. For I, I this is this is one of the rules I just ripped right out of three five and three five. If you've got a twenty foot head start or a ten foot head start, I don't remember the exact number. Um, you roll a d, you roll a strength check or an athletics check, and you will jump a number of feet equal to the value of the die rolled. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, the higher your strength, of course, you're going to be doing better because you're going to have better bonuses. Um, but you still have the chance of like, I because I think it, you know, uh, I'm not going to outright kill someone if they fail the jump. Saves are going to happen. Their things are going to get more dire. But probably not going to end up falling if it's an immediate death. But I like the idea of, like, you you don't... If adding a chasm into your dungeon um, immediately... Like, all, all, a lot of the stakes just go away if, um, you know, if it's 10 they feet wide and everyone just get, can immediately clear it for free. So I like throwing yeah. that roll in to add some drama uh, and make them think about, all right, we could just jump it, but we might not make it. So maybe instead we, we t- put a rope across or um, make it... It, I like the chasm. The chasm is cool. A free ten foot jump kills the chasm. I think I like that, especially if there's like added stakes, like there's actual combat going on, or if they're running from something. Um, and I, I think the way I would implement a failure there is not just you fall down the pit automatically. It's like you don't quite make it, and now you're dangling on the side, and now you either have to spend a turn climbing up, and people can take pot shots at you, or someone has to come back and help you up. Exactly. Failing, failing forward, right? Like it's a complication, not an outright fatal mistake. And hell, maybe they do fall down the chasm, but uh, it's not a fatal drop. And now they're separated from the party in unknown terrain. Always fun. Mm-hmm. Always fun. 
And I sort of like, I have a, um, 5e simplifies a lot of things, which I really like. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of cases where, um, this, this is, I think my quintessential example of a three, five rule that I think works well here. Cause it, at the end of the day, it, 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 it adds more to the game rather than takes away, I think. Yeah. No, I like that. Yes. I, I think I, I might even implement that. I like that a lot. Uh, I did have, to, I did make it be an action before, but, um, I eroded that away because that's lame. <laughs> it's a, happens as a part of movement. This is another one I saw online recently that I kind of want to implement. It's from the, I believe it's called the Angry DM, the website. Um, mm-hmm. Click. The idea being that when you trigger a trap, it doesn't automatically go off. You Ooh. let you let the like, you know, if they open a chest that was trapped without checking it, or if they fail detecting a trap, and then it activates you describe it activating so they hear it like the you know the tile on the floor goes down or they hear the the trip wire get sprung you let them know it's coming and you give them a single action not mechanically speaking but you you let them do something to prepare for whatever's coming yes i, I like this because it's it's more interesting than just uh okay so you you trigger the trap and you're gonna take six damage like you might roll a deck save but you're taking damage, and then we move on. I like that it gives the players more to do always. They can use it. Oh, it's like, oh shit, I throw myself to the ground. I raise my shield. I throw myself to the side. Because they still probably won't know what is coming. So the actions they're taking might not actually help them. In fact, they could be making it worse. If they, yes. if, if they step on a pressure plate and they throw themselves to the ground and what was being activated was spikes coming out of the ground, you've probably just made it worse. So you can still, you can let them still be engaged. You can let them throw up their shield and maybe they get lucky and they block the fire coming. It just lets them keep doing stuff. I like that. I like that a lot. What do you think, Nathan? Um, I can I, hear the gears going in your head. I always the voice of dissent, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not super into it, mostly because, yeah, you could potentially make things worse. But I think in a lot, most cases, you're, it's... If you're if you're running traps right, it's very obvious what the trap is. I I, mm-hmm. I hate traps that um, you just kind of happen. I usually I, we talked about this in the traps episode. I will put clues in the room indicating what the trap is. So more mm-hmm. often than not, all that that rule is going to do, at least at my table, is make the trap like they're they're just going to like oh there's darts in the walls. Uh, throw yourself to the ground. We we know that it's coming. Oh, there's a great statue of a dragon with its mouth agape with scar uh, scorched floor in front. Put the shield up and prepare for the fire. That's um, fair. So it it takes away that double edged sword aspect, I think, for me. Which, um, and I and I think the 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 fact that the the trap has to make an attack roll or the player has to make a save does already sort of indicate they're reacting to it. Things are happening. They just, um, yeah. If I think you just got to sort of maybe narrate that better based on the result of those. Yeah. Um, While I do, you know, there's a save involved usually, and it's implied they're doing something. I just like putting it in their hands to let them be descriptive of what they're doing. I always like giving the players tools to immerse themselves. Yeah, and I think that's mm-hmm. great. And if if um, it, it's just I think at my table where it is very clear what the trap is, almost yeah. at all times, it, it just it takes away from the danger of it. That's fair. I think what I would do uh, when implementing this is. Regard like if the trap is activated, I don't care if you have prepped for it amazingly and you encase yourself in four shields to block the fire. You're still take gonna take something because you did activate the trap and it is still, you know, flooding over you with fire. So you can you can react to it, but you're still gonna take something. Yeah, and I, I think that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just, uh, yeah, I, I could see it working. I, I don't know if it'd be something I'd run at my table. That's fair. So what do you guys think about flanking? As is, flanking gives advantage yes. if you're on, like, if you and an ally are on both sides of it, right? I think raw, yes. it does nothing, but there is a variant rule to do that. Yes. Yeah, it, it's it's an optional rule. Um, I actually really like how our DM in Strahd does it, Tori. Plus two? Yep, yeah. it's a plus two to attacks. That's I the think three that's, five rule. Is it really? Yep. Well, yes, it is. Oh, three five. We didn't appreciate you enough. I love three five. So <laughs> really, it's such it, a good, it's so good. <laughs> it, it, it should be like a minor advantage to the fight not straight up advantage i i think giving advantage it triggers so many things i think about rogues especially um and assassin rogues you just sneak attack baby well rogues already get um a sneak attack while flanking that is true i, I guess i was thinking more like the assassin rogues because they get auto crits if they have advantage which admittedly is one archetype but advantage on its own without taking archetypes into account is damn good I and i, I only much... got auto crits if the foe was surprised be right but regardless you you do make a good like even if that's not the exact ruling um there are a lot of things that trigger off of advantage and advantage is just frank just admittedly a really good bonus to have i don't remember the exact math on it but it's like um like it it can almost double your chances of succeeding in some cases which um it it, it depends on what the target value is of course and i think it's especially once you start racking up extra attacks yep and all those would get advantage yeah uh, I, I think I think the plus two is a lot safer if you're going to be giving a bonus at all. It's just dangerous yes. because it's against the design philosophy of the game. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, as long yes. as you can keep track of the numbers, works like a charm. Yeah. I'm uh, pro both. I'd like advantage, and I like the plus two. Um, uh-huh. But I have been using the plus two more than advantage. Um, I just like it a little more. <laughs> yeah, and I also feel like it it gets complicated if you have like a lot of people in, in melee with each other and like, okay, they've got advantage, they've got advantage, but they don't, but they do. And then just, it gets complicated. I guess it's also the same thing. important to think about to. how dangerous wolves and kobolds can be. And why are they dangerous? Pack tactics. Having oh, yeah. a, a swarm of kobolds that are just getting advantage on everything because their friends are nearby is frightening. And kobolds suck. Imagine <laughs> if adventurers get it. It's, yeah. And it's yeah. just... Um, it's it's a rule you want to be careful with, but it does admittedly force your players to think more tactically. I've got I've got like one final ruling. Was we're, we're going long here? Can we beat the alignment episode? Maybe. I think the Maybe. alignment was almost two hours though, wasn't it? I don't know. Can, can we go? Can we go thirty minutes with this one, Charles? The lucky feet <laughs> sucks. Oh it's so stupid. The lucky feat, as written, you basically get three at will advantages per day. You don't have, and you can you can use them oh. before or after whatever you're rolling, and you can impose them on an incoming attack roll. When in a system that has inspiration, which is meant to be really hard to earn, you have to have like, I mean, it, it's subjective as a DM, but it, it's supposed to be rewarding for great role play or tactics or something, and you give out a coveted single at will advantage. Why the fuck is there a feat that gives you three at will and you can impose it on something else? I, I think you're missing something important here because it's better than that. If you have disadvantage, you can use your lucky feat and take the best of the three dice. 
God yep. damn it! <laughs> yep. <laughs> I so hate you it. can close your eyes and get mega advantage on your on your I... archery shot. <laughs> I hate and like mm. this is admittedly the, my next point is a minor thing. I think it just goes to show how strong it is when in every single like class build guide I look for under the feats they always say take lucky. It's good on everything. I don't think there should be a feat that's good in every single situation for every class always. Ooh, I, mean, I do have a question about that. Though. Admittedly, the way I'm changing it, it's still good for everyone, but it's still, it's, I don't like it. It's, it's so universally good. And like, if you're going for a mid max, you always got to take lucky because it's so good. Yeah, of course. Do you let, um, halflings, do you let the halflings keep lucky? Their racial thing lets them re-roll ones yes. a couple of times. I'm fine with that. Okay. Uh, not a couple of times, forever. Away. Forever? Oh. Well, they, if they roll a one, they get to re-roll it. Eh, it's yes. a whatever. It's a racial thing. I'm fine with that. Combined with Lucky, it's disgusting. I actually had a build I wanted to do, which was like a Lightfoot halfling a divination wizard yep. who's just the luckiest man alive. <laughs> just bends fate to his will. <laughs> Which is gross. But so the way I would propose changing Lucky is you still have three luck points. They still come back um, on long rest. But you, all you're doing is adding a D4 to a roll. I think I like this a lot Ooh. because you um, it you literally have to be a little lucky to use the feat itself. And th there's going to be a lot of times when you're just one off from hitting an AC. But, you know, you could get a bump of, of plus four to your attack. That's huge. Um, and you can even you can do that against incoming attacks. You know what your AC is. So if your AT, AC is 16 and someone rolls an 18 to hit, you're like, I could I could negate that, possibly, if I'm lucky. And then you try to be lucky. You don't just re-roll shit forever. I, we've argued about this before. Yep. Um, <laughs> I would have said disgust, but go off queen. <laughs> uh, <we're>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree that the ability is very strong. Um, when I have players that abuse it, it can be irritating. But I like the flavor of the ability and like how it functions as it is. I think it does a very good job of making a character seem lucky. So like if I've got a paladin showing up, he's like, all right, I'm, I, I want to I wanna crit this guy so I can smite him. So I'm going to close my eyes and make my attack roll, and th roll three dice. That's shitty yes. and I don't like that. But I love oh. the idea of... Um, you know the, the 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 halfling character who is is running along through difficult terrain and trips on something as he's making his attack, uh, and uh, in basic like and not not by the player deciding he's he's tripping, but something happens that a trip is made and he gets disadvantage on his attack. But because he's blessed by uh, <laughs> the the god of luck for whatever reason, as his blade falls to the ground, he swipes across the thing and and and, and hits anyways. And I think that. I think the ability does a great job of emphasizing that because it can interact with disadvantage in that way. Um, Who's the Marvel yes. character? Domino. Uh, Domino. Yeah. Domino. Uh, that Domino has the lucky feet as written. Definitely. Uh, and and I, <laughs> I, and I like you're you're right. It it is it is probably one of the stronger feats in the game. But I've I I, I don't know. I feel like the flavor on it because it's so powerful uh, lets players that aren't abusing it. It's kind of like make it work. Uh, a lot better and I, 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 I I've played characters with that feat before and when I discovered I I felt a little bad when I discovered the its interaction with disadvantage because it is a little whack but um, it's real whack. yes 
I, I feel like I see it used more often for grubby mid-maxing rather than fun flavor, you know? I, I yeah. yeah, and and that's fair. If if you're seeing it used a lot more for that, then I think you're you're well within your rights to change it. But mm-hmm. I haven't really ever had a problem with with its abuse. I've rolled, ran a couple. I I am in a game where my uh, I've got uh, characters who are, it's like a lineage game. So like people are playing the children of previous characters, uh, and I I played a my my original character had lucky. So it's like his 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 line is blessed by blessed by the gods. So the child had it, and I, I think. Um, as, hmm. and, and I think that's a, the the ability does a good job of um, uh, of expressing that, and I think that it's fun to play with as long as you're not the guy that's smiting with his eyes closed. God, yeah. Don't ruin it for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of it's like my encumbrance rule. Uh, I, I, I I I use lucky. <laughs> Don't make me change it. I could potentially. I a... Oh, go on. Oh, I had a DM who took it away from the game and Fair. removed it from the halfling racial block. That's that's a little that was much. his house rules. It, I, mean, yeah, yeah. He I hope he gave, gave Halfling something else for it. Dex? He gave them a plus one to Dex. For me, that wasn't enough. Mm, uh, yeah. I, I don't mind the, the Halfling luck nearly as much. Yeah, because it's only on, on uh, critical fails, yeah? On ones? Yeah. Yeah. And then you still have to take the other roll, so you could still get a one. Obviously, there's a lot lower chance of doing it. 5%, baby. 5% of a 5%. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm fine with that. I kind of like the yeah. idea of, of halflings all being a little inherently lucky. One out of 400, I think. The lucky feat itself is, is way too too far for me. I feel yeah. like even, even like, you know, a D4 or D6, um, still really useful. You can just adding at will to whatever you want a couple D4s to stuff a day is is real good i'd probably if i if yeah. i were to do that i'd probably go with d6 instead of four just to make it better than the, the guidance D6. spell I've, I've gone back yeah. and forth forth against that i think when we originally discussed it months ago nathan i had settled on a d6 i recently took it to a d4 it might change again because like you know i don't know getting adding it at the max getting a extra d4 excuse me getting an extra four to a roll you do is great and that's you probably usually gonna bump you over if you were rolling high enough to feel like you could still make the attack right Mm -hmm. and but plus six is like i don't know it just feels like a much wider does uh, it feel lucky course correction (laughs) it does feel lucky i think either either way i like it because you do have to still literally be lucky to make the most of it yeah i think i think it should be noted um though real quick I, um, we talked about advantage interactions earlier. Uh, I, if I recall correctly, the lucky feat does not use the word advantage. I don't think it gives you advantage on it. It technically does, but it's not using the advantage mechanic. So things that interact with advantage, I do not believe interact with the lucky feat. I so, don't think it says advantage either. I think it says you roll an extra d20, which is why it interacts and is with disadvantage the way it does. Yeah, roll mm-hmm. additional d20. Yeah. Which is whack. I guess, I mean, you could implement that. Honestly, that's not my bigger concern with it. My big concern is just doing it at will. Is that it's functionally advantage? Yes. And it, ugh. (laughs) I just, yeah, not not a fan. Consumables, like a potion, are a bonus action. Unless you're feeding them to your friend, then it's still an action. Yes. Mm -hmm. I do opportunity, so opportunity attacks, it can be because, let's say they're passing by a spellcaster... I'll let it be an attack or a, or a spell. Like a cantrip. What do you or do with the spell. Warcaster feat? I was going to ask. 
because that's what Warcaster do, baby. Warcaster lets you uh, advantage yes. on constitute or uh, concentration on spells, and you can use spells if they're a single target. Uh, you can use those option attacks. Hold on, hold on. Which again, go off if that's what you want to do. Uh, but that is what the Warcaster feat does. It does give spellcasters more options. It does. I it agree. does. It, I you know what? The more I think about it, the more I kind of would want to do the same thing. Because kind of like I was talking about called shots, it feels like maybe something that should exist regardless. Yeah. Um, for a while, I only allowed it to be cantrips, which would be really useful for the warlock with yeah. Eldritch Blast. Or even... Um, still be disadvantaged, but... but yeah. But you would still, like, I hate the idea that only the martial characters would get a shot to pop off something at, at the, at the, whatever it is, moving, moving past them. Yeah. Um, because it's a bonus act, not a bonus action, sorry. It's reaction? Like a reaction? It's a reaction. You don't have time to pull out a dagger at your hip if you're currently casting with your hands. Um... That's true. Yeah. So that that even with Warcaster, um I think I moved it in my home rules to uh my, my house rules to be actual spells. It used to just be cantrips. Mm -hmm. Um and I had a, I had a really cool uh someone cast dancing lights right in front of the uh the bad guy's face. Oh neat. Yeah. So like they're they're cool thing role play options that come from that and i liked giving them the ability to pull something out of their big bag of tricks yeah um to impede them even further from moving past them uh i didn't just like that it was martial characters getting to to throw to throw hands yeah that's fair <laughs> i i think yeah apart from that small um overlap with warcaster i like it a lot mm -hmm. i might even implement it but I, I think i would do it more in line with what warcaster already says which is single target spells so you can't reaction cast fireball no 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 yeah uh it's um that is correct i let i do follow the warcaster i had to pull up warcaster really fast i don't yeah. use it a lot and i don't have anybody in my party who currently has it um, i would have to give that more thought because i might i might give war uh, warcaster something additional in, in in that case but i like it a lot yes because I feel um, like most of the time the spellcaster doesn't want to be in the middle of the fight anyway, right? No, but what but happens guess, if they are? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would give Hexblade a lot more stuff to work with, honestly. Mm-hmm. Though they've only got two spell slots, max of four by level <laughs> seventeen, but yeah, Speaking yeah, I could I could see that being implemented. Speaking of attacks of opportunity, uh, Tori, you you yes. you much like myself are a three five baby. I am. Uh, I, I, what are your What are your thoughts on the three five method of attacks of opportunity? I don't do this, but uh, if for for those unaware, three five. Uh, if you uh, currently in five e, if you move out of a threatened square, you provoke an attack of opportunity. In three five, if you move through one, you also provoke an attack of opportunity. Uh, yes. Is 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 that something you've considered running in your game? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think I've agreed. I, I don't do it, but I, I, I think about it every now and then because <laughs> it it allows for a lot more tactical, I think, positioning and allows the tactical opportunity to become much more prevalent. I, I would have to agree. 
I, I remember. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was I was just gonna agree with I, you again. Like, yeah. I'm asking you questions, then I keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I enjoyed combat in 3.5 a lot. Um, I do have a harder time implementing it in my games because the people that I play with were only introduced to Dungeons and Dragons with 5e. So that's sort of where I'm at too. Is like I like the, a lot of things that 3.5 introduced. I don't like all of it. Standard action to draw your weapon is lame, um, but. Ugh. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there, and I, I love, like, it It forces a lot more tactics in play than I think 5e does. And 5e definitely has a lot of tactics. It's a tactical combat game, um, where it's a, the tactical combat part of the game is a tactical combat game. Uh, yes. But I think 3.5 with, has, it's sort of a double-edged sword, right? It's like a lot of rules bogging things down, but all those rules, when you know them, makes for a lot more interesting and dynamic battlefield. A lot more options yes. for the players, yeah. Oh, one hundred percent! Like um, distracting attack. <laughs> Sorry, um, had a little. Do you remember distracting attack? Yes. In three point five, I love that. I've been I've been playing with the idea of throwing that into my game. I like the idea that you can have somebody distracting your target, um, because that would happen. Distractions actually happen in battle. What does that do? Because I'm wondering if it's. What, you if provoke the an opportunity attack. Interesting. If I'm remembering this right. That sounds about right to uh, me. It's, it's been a while, though. 3.5 is about threatened squares. Uh-huh. Um, so if you were a, a, a knight with a polearm, you had a 10-foot yes. radius around you that if any enemy moved in it at all, they would provoke an attack of opportunity. And then you could take the yes. combat, combat reflexes feet which gave you a number of attacks of opportunity per turn equal to your dex modifier. It was wild. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I kind of like the idea of provoking attacks of opportunity entering squares too. It wouldn't be entering. Move, it's like moving through. So if you started in their square and moved into another square occupied by them and it was not just a five-foot step, you would provoke an attack. Oh, okay. Yes. That makes yep. more sense. Uh, and then there was a feat I remember that I took where if you don't move while in a threatened square, you provoke the attack of opportunity. Yeah. That character, it was the one I affectionately referred to as the Blender. Anyway. Uh, blender? Like a, like a Vitamix? Like, like, uh, like you, you, you throw a, a bunch of fruit <laughs> to make, you throw, throw a bunch of kobolds to make a kobold smoothie. Oh my God. Oh, yes. Speaking of a uh, 3-5... We've talked about minions before. I'm a mm -hmm. big fan of minions oh, as a carryover from 3.5. You just have a shitload of enemies that all have one health each. So I think I think it's fun, especially for like, I don't know, more like Star Wars games where stormtroopers go down in one shot and you... It's a good way to make your players feel empowered um, and they can just... Or even like Lord of the Rings, like the goblins go down one hit each, right? You're not going to have a duel with every goblin you meet. This is a minor thing that I, I realized while prepping for this, because we talked about how advantage, um, advantageous uh, area of effect attacks would be against these things, like fireball. Simple solution is to just say that you they don't take half damage on fails. So if if excuse me on on successes. So if they pass the save for the fireball, they take no damage. If That's they true. fail, obviously they're taking the damage because otherwise. Fireball's guaranteed to wipe out every goblin in the radius. I do I do love minions a lot. Uh I um and I love praising 
3.5 edition, but I, I, I do, to be fair, because um, uh, 4th edition doesn't get a lot of credit, minions are a 4th edition mechanic. Ah. Well, credit that is, that is correct. Minions are a 4th edition. 4th edition, <laughs> never played it. Wish I kind of did. Doesn't get enough credit. It has a lot of good ideas. For example, we've been talking about Marshall's not really getting a whole lot to do. Fourth edition, uh, according to hearsay, because I have never played the edition, it gave uh, Marshall's a lot more like, um, you know, once per encounter, once per day abilities, giving them things to do. Oh, yeah. So that is that is correct. Sorry, someone just came into my house. <laughs> I, was, um, I could tell your mic was off. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, yes. I did like that from 4th edition. While 4th edition was absolute garbage, it <laughs> deserves... It doesn't even deserve to be tied up to stake and set on fire. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I have words about 4th edition. I can tell. Um, some good things came out of it. Not enough. Um, I was very grateful when they came out with 5e. Yeah. Yeah. 3.5 uh, is also the edition... Um, which uh, taught me that Battlemaster Fighter needs to be a global, like, universal thing. Because 3-5, you could... Anyone could disarm. Anyone could make a trip attack. Anyone could make a feint. Um, they were generally hard to do, and usually you'd want to take a feat to not provoke an attack of opportunity to do it. But, um, sort of, it, it, I, think, I think it's... I, I like that that's something that all marshals have the ability to do, or at least try and focus on. Putting that all in one sunglass mm -hmm. seems weird to me, even though the Battlemaster is super cool. It is yes. cool, but it seems like, yeah, I agree. It seems like something all marshals be able to do, just so they have a bit more to do. Because like your spellcasters get to impose blindness, uh, deafness. They get to maybe make things prone, set things on fire, freeze people, slow them down. Fighters get to hit people with a sword. Hey, they get to hit people with a sword. <laughs> Five times in six seconds. That's a lot of times to <laughs> yeah, roll. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of times to roll a d20. That's pretty exciting. I take all my criticisms back. <laughs> <laughs> we should and, probably... and, and disregard everything I've just said. <laughs> I Fighters, five d20s? Tier one class. Well, shit. Forget <laughs> fireball. I'm just going to smack things with my big, sharp, pointy <laughs> stick. We should probably wrap at some point, huh? We're at... Yeah. I mean, I guess. This is the <laughs> longest episode by far now. Oh, is it? Yeah, Hell yeah, we did it. We... We've done it. <laughs> I'm considering okay, I'm breaking it into now. two episodes, but I probably won't bother. Don't do it. If you didn't break the alignment episode oh, up, we keep this one. Oh my god. <laughs> question. Yeah. So, quick question. How do you guys handle dice rolling off of the table? Doesn't count. Is it an automatic critical fail for you? They roll again. De depends if you have the carpet floor. Or wood. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, okay. no, I'd probably still just make them re-roll it. Because I, I make re-rolls. I've definitely been with players who are like, if it falls off the table and it's a one, they're like, well, I, I didn't mean to do that. And if it's a twenty, they're like, hell yeah. It's like, no. Reroll. We should have a consistent works. ruling about this. The Agreed. the the realm outside of the known boundaries of the table are foreign and mysterious, and we do not know what lies down there. Latent and chaotic magic swirl around those areas <laughs> and manipulate the threads of fate as we see them. We we can't we can't trust exactly. them. Exactly, they're out. I am a powerful god, but even those lands are outside my sphere of influence. I did have one final thing to talk about, and it's something that I'm going to be implementing in my current game. Do it. Casting when you're out of spell slots. Oh. 
Um, this feels and... like a big buff for a warlock. <laughs> I'm, oh I'm, listen- I'm listening. You're listening. Let's say it is a... Um, hold on. Where are... Where are my notes? Um, I have pages of notes on my house rules. Um, and of course I talk about it and I cannot find it. Okay, it's <laughs> that note. Um, Uh-oh. You get two exhaustion levels per spell slot level. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. So you could, um, you could go and cast yourself a third level spell and kill yourself. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you've drawn your energy from your body. Um, you're capped out. Think of mana. Um, yeah. I like the idea that you could literally almost kill yourself conti- to continue to try to cast. Um, That's quite fun. Maybe not as much of a buffer yeah. or a Would you rather die? Or would you rather cast invility, uh, invisibility at second level and take four points of exhaustion, and now the big bad guy can't see you? Yeah. Like, I like the idea of it. So I'm going too. to implement it in my game and try it out. And it was two points per spell level? Yes. So you really can't pull out too many big guns unless you're okay no. with outright dying. Yes. That is the point. It how, is to how, be used in dire necessity. Do you give warlocks the ability to cast at lower levels for this? Yes. They do not have to cast up their max level. Okay. Oh, uh, that, that would be that's, so that's good because eventually <laughs> it's an auto auto die. Yeah. No. They get to choose the level at what they cast. Interesting. I like that. Thank you. I yeah, I, I don't really know what to say apart from that sounds interesting and dynamic. It's definitely like if it was one level of exhaustion, I would be probably doing it a lot. Um, but two levels uh-huh. per spell, that's, oof, I and can really you, can't do it that much. And can you yeah. cast, like, can you give yourself more than five levels of exhaustion? Like, it's going to kill you anyways, but, like, if you realize, oh, I'm going out, I might as well go big. Is is that, like, can you, can you go can and I give yourself 18? cast my ninth level? Yeah, 18th <laughs> levels of exhaustion, because for a ninth go level spell. Go big, go home. If you do that, you cannot be resurrected. Oh, yeah, like, that's I've, fine. I've already oh, started, like, listing off the stuff about it. If you, if this is your, like, you have one action left. You're at one hit point. The rest of the party is dead. Maybe this is your last chance to like kill the BBEG. Yeah. And you have that knife. You, you're out of spell slots, but you have uh, Finger of Death. Or um, what's the one? Um, Power Word Kill. Yeah. If you could cast that, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. You can never come back. Hey, hey um, that's, 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 well, that's a two not? for one. That's two kills for one power word. I'm very much picturing, you know, getting a Tony Stark endgame moment. Yes. Where you that's know exactly you know what, what you're what you're doing, but it might very well be worth it to actually give your life for See, it. That's actually it, something I wanna do in my games more often is I wanna ha- give players like a I guess a mechanical functional way to do the make the sacrifice play to, you know. Uh, yeah. sacrifice their life to yes. to save their friends or, or finish the campaign without having to talk to me as the DM first and sort of saying, yes. all right, shoot, we're not getting out of this. Not, not everyone's getting out of this one alive. I need to make the sacrifice. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that'd be a cool way to do it, at least for spellcasters. I'd, I'd want to mm-hmm. think of some way to give marshals the ability to be uh, Tony Stark in that case, but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm into if, it. Well, my thing is, if, let's say... 
I got my idea from Game of Thrones um, with Hodor, with the door, and I was like, you have, tanks have the option to be able to stand there and take all of these hits and die for their party. Spellcasters don't have that option. Mm-hmm. Why not give them this option? Why can't they be the person who, quote unquote, holds the door? I like um, that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, I want equal opportunities for those mega game moments. It's delicious. And that, that is where this stemmed from. I've been playing with this for a while. Um, so when House Rules came up and I was like, yes, I want to do it because I want to talk about this. Um, the only thing I might tweak, and I don't really even have a suggestion on how to tweak it, is mm. when you're, ca- you know, if you're casting above the amount of exhaustion levels that are even possible to take. So yeah. if, if you're going to die from casting a third level spell, why can I cast up to a ninth level? And again, I don't really know how to tweak that. And either way, I mean, why wouldn't you just go for the ninth level every time, you know? If, if you're already decided you're going to die for this yeah. cause, you're just going to do your ninth level. If you have access to it at that point. Sure. It depends where you are level-wise. Of course, but you're always going to mm-hmm. take your biggest gun. And if, if, you're, yeah, if your medium gun is going to kill you, then of course you're going to take the biggest gun, you know? So maybe... Yeah some sort of skill check involved to do it, but I'm not sure. But think about, like, what if instead of you're already dying, your party member has a chance to get away, they're the last one alive, what if casting that, like, fourth or fifth level spell on them, like Cure Wounds, um, at fourth or fifth level, let's say you don't have access to those ninth levels yet, that's how you go out. You go out healing them so they can make the getaway. That's where I would think where you would cast at lower levels. I think I think one way maybe Chance. to do it would be to, for the first two levels of spells, you get the exhaustion. Um, yeah. You're, you're fine. But for any any action using this rule that would take you to that fifth level of exhaustion, you need to make a, like a like a constitution or a wisdom save or something like that. And the DC for that check goes up based on the level of spell you're casting. So hmm. if, if you, if you're 100% fully committed to dying for this cause, you go for that, that highest level spell you can. But if you're like, I got it. Like I, um, I think I could get away with this with a lower level spell and uh, maybe I'll survive. So maybe I'll make it easier on myself with this. Uh, and you could go for a lower level. So maybe it gives gives you a little bit of a trade-off. It gives you a reason to maybe cast a lower level rather than do first, second, or ninth. That yeah. could that could <laughs> be interesting because then it's like, I am willing to die here. I, I, I am aware there's a risk of dying. I'm still doing it. And then depending on how well you roll, you know, you are... You could live. Yeah. Maybe that, make DC equal to... That. I like that. Maybe make yeah. DC equal to 10 plus level of spell. So that way, if you're already Ooh. at levels of exhaustion, you go for the first level, you still have to make the save, but it's like, it's, it's, it's yeah. DC 11. I mean, don't get me how wrong. How far I, can I push my limits? Yeah, I definitely like the idea of consciously knowing you're going to die and doing it anyway. That's delicious. Yeah. But I, I also <laughs> I also like the writing the, the line. The ability to survive. Yeah, and engaging like how much you want to risk which is already like kind of built into it inherently because you're you're choosing what level of spell to cast it at anyway but once you hit the 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 fatal levels i like the idea of it being more and more of a guaranteed fatal thing you're doing yeah just pump that save up rather than 10 plus spell level make it like 15 plus spell level Mm -hmm. Mm. 
Yeah, it's definitely something I'm going to have to tinker with. I haven't tried it in game. I haven't played with a DM who's used it yet. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely new ground for me it's, to break on. It's fun though. It's a great idea. Thank I play in a... I like thank you. <laughs> so excited about it. <laughs> I run in a somewhat high um maybe not high mortality, but high danger game, so I could play tests for that if you want. Absolutely. Yeah, and like obviously this isn't mine. I haven't licked it and laid claim to it. So <laughs> feedback is totally a hundred percent up my alley. I may also implement it. Because it sounds fun. If I have an opportunity yeah. to see how it works, I'll report back. It's 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 of the same lines of why I I like my characters not to be put into boxes of yeah. Only the tank can only the tank can hold off the 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 bad guy while everybody else gets away or like sacrifice themselves in that in that big way. Mm-hmm. Or um on, like with the critical failures and you have a chance to get hit if you are in line of sight. Um I think this is kind of like a, a big theme with yeah. a lot of the my house rules as well. Like I want to give more tools to the players because I like fifth edition yes. a lot. Um, but especially with some martial classes, it can feel restrictive. So in yes. general, I like the idea that of actually setting down hard rules for how they can be more creative, which might seems kind of like an oxymoron, but I, I think it's, it's good to give them a framework for being creative. God dang it. We got to wrap, but I just remembered another, <laughs> another no, no, rule no. that I, <laughs> I wanted to bring up. We, we're we, we're going to go a minute and then we're just going to cut abruptly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Real quick. Um, Because I saw this online and I like it a lot. Players can use their action to try to do something unconventional, like knock over a bookshelf, swing from a chandelier, and it might involve a skill check to do so, but it only costs their action if they succeed. That way you're not saying like, okay, the gnolls are chasing us. I shoved the bookshelf down behind us. Like, okay, roll a strength check. I got a four. All right, that's your whole turn. We move on. That kind of sucks, and again, lots of D&D is all about gambling, but I, I like, like, I feel like a lot of the times players might not even try those things because it might be better just to attack anyway. Again, yeah. I want them to be creative. I like the idea of them being able to try things, and if they succeed, that's their action, but if not, they can still throw out an attack. Mm. I'm not sure I like that that much, because like you said, the game is definitely a lot about gambling, and like, sure, like, you know, you could you could just make an attack roll, but if the attack roll fails, that's your turn anyway. Um, maybe I'd run it like, like it, if, you know, pushing over a bookshelf, for example, works kind of like the shove action, so maybe I run it like you making a shove action against the bookshelf. Fails, you don't get anything from it, but it only costed one of your attacks, not your whole action. That, that'd probably be about as far as I'd be willing to go on that one. That's fair. I, 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 I've said this like a hundred times this episode. The, the more things I can give my players to let them uh, play creatively or encourage them to do that, uh, I want to. We should probably cut. Please. We should cut. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I was trying to throw my like final thoughts into that, that rant as well. Uh, final thoughts for me. Uh, man, I, I, I got some rules. I like playing from 3-5. Uh, I think 3-5 yes. has a lot of cool ideas. 4th edition also has some cool ideas, even if not nearly as many. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you are trying to spice up your game, uh, look to other editions for, for things to do. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Is that it for your wrap-up thoughts, Tori? Um, <laughs> that, I mean, it can't be. I'm just making sure. <laughs> my wrap-up thoughts are really... 
tabletop role-playing games are what you make them. The standard rules are a guideline. Yep. Add and take away what you want. As long as you discuss and are very clear with your players of what you have added and taken away. Mm -hmm. um, nobody likes a DM who rules with an iron fist. Oh yeah, actually, I, I gotta add to that real quick. I I, br <laughs> I briefly mentioned I have a home home rule record <laughs> on my campaign Discord. Is a really good way to keep track of that. It's very clear to your players where it is, what they are, and if mm -hmm. uh, you make a ruling, you're like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's like it's in the record. It's available to you. We brought this up in session zero. It's I you. literally just added this to my own server. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, like if you if you're if you're running with home rules and home uh, like homebrew, I do you bring it up beforehand. Tell your players that you're doing it. Yes. Make it somewhere accessible for them. Yep. Yes. Agreed. Which is okay. why I, I was like, I need to add a channel. Doop, doop, doop. <laughs> yeah, there's a channel on my server, too. Um, Anywho. God, no, shut up. We got to wrap. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> That's it. We're, we're cutting. Two hours. Literally twice as long as our normal episodes. This is a new well, record. A lot to say, though. This is a fun episode. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we do a part two later with two different guests. See what they do at their tables. Yeah. Honestly, I'd be okay with that. I, I might even, heaven forbid, sit out of an episode. Dear Wait, God. What? I know. In Pelor's name. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to just reiterate my rules again, but I guess I could just comment on theirs. Just uh, do uh, whatever. What did you say? Dunk on them? Just dunk, <laughs> dunk. on them the whole yeah. episode. I need, I need the next next time this happens, if Charles is there, you, 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 like, you're required to wear like basketball shorts, even though like, there's not like a visual aspect of the episode. There isn't. But I'll oh, know. Please. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be back next week talking about Aboliths. Boop, boop. Everyone's favorite slave master psychic Spooky fish, fish. Older than God. Hate that. I hate this description. They suck. Okay. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Later, nerds.